encouraging performance and a 5-1 win against uh, Club Bruges. Now, here to talk about it with me, we've got, as you would expect, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, busy day, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. And um, a certain half-time result, not far from here, it's a bit of a smile on my face. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, checking that out, actually. Is that Chelsea 2 Malmo nil? is it, Colin? Is that Sorry? that's what getting you on? <laughs> Well you, well, you know, we'll talk about that. And uh, that was Colin Savage. We've, we've also got, as you can probably guess, that's uh, Ray uh, from uh, City Fan TV on YouTube. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Ray. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. We've also got Bernard in the house. Bernard, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, mate. Yeah, I've, uh, I've no interest in this other game that's going on that they're talking about. I'm just happy that we, we did our bit last night. That's all I care about. And that's what we're here to talk about. What these guys are referring to, guys, is that it is halftime in a, in in some other uh, game involving some other team where they are apparently 2-0 down, which is what you like to hear, isn't it? OK, let's start off, guys, uh, with um, this uh, game, 5-1, and uh, here was the lineup. So we had Ederson, Walker, Diaz, Laporte, Cancelo, Rodrigo, De Bruyne... Silva, Foden, Mares, and Grealish. Pretty much what you would expect for a big European night, eh, Colin? Yep, that was pretty much um, what you would expect. I mean, the only thing was, of course, that uh, it, it, the only question was who's playing false nine this week. Uh, and uh -huh. I'm sure um, Pep does a sort of eeny, meeny, miny, mo false nine, it's your turn to have a go or something like that, you know, pulls names out of hat, but it was um, Phil Foden this week, so um, yeah, yeah, but that was, yeah, pretty much the 11 you'd, you'd expect. And uh, Foden make, made uh, quite a good fist of it, uh, didn't he, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, he played more like a, a number, uh, what did he play more like, not number six, I don't know, for a false nine, he was very deep, wasn't he? I mean, he was just controlling the game like he did for, for England against Andorra, of course, a couple of weeks ago, with those little chips in and looking all around him and leaving everyone a merry dance. So, uh, yeah, I think he enjoyed it last night, to be honest. I, I think he enjoyed the space, especially after that Burnley game. It was like a, it was like polar opposites, wasn't it, from Burnley, Burnley to Bruce last night the actual uh, style of play of both teams it, it was totally from one extreme to the other and uh, we enjoyed that little bit more room was we were allowed to have was it that different because they were playing like a a four five one four four one one and burnley yeah, but, but it didn't work they didn't work the same because they didn't they didn't press as much i think they did for about the first five minutes and then they just didn't they just didn't they just give us too much space all over the place mm-hmm and uh, we got uh, Jack Grealish uh, back into the team. And uh, how did uh, the first half open up for you, Ray? What did you think of it? Well, I mean, pretty much um, like the rest of the game. City were by far the best team. Um, you know, if we'd scored 12 yes, last night, no one could have complained. Honestly, if we'd scored 12, we had, you know, so many openings, opportunities, control for most of the game. Um Obviously, we scored a couple of goals in that first half. I think we could have scored a couple more with some better passing. Jack Grealish did his best Tom Daly impression. Um, all in all, it's kind of what you'd hope for, actually, apart from the, the dive from uh, Grealish. Um, mm. And it's what you'd hope from from City. You know, take control of a game by the scruff of its neck, score a couple of goals at half time, by half-time. And, um, you know, you're in cru cru cruise control. Um, you know, City very rarely let a two-goal lead slip. Mm -hmm. Pop quiz for Colin Savage. Uh, Bruges' manager is a guy called Philippe Clement, and uh, he actually played uh, in the early years of the Premier League. Can you guess for which team? No, no. Any takers? Anybody? Anybody in the house? I'd, I'd not even heard his name. What was his name? Not going to get uh, it. Fanaken. What's his name? No, not Philippe Clement. Yeah, I've heard his Ooh. name actually. Did he? Yeah, my bad guys. I usually look at these guys when I'm doing reviews and the managers and that. I didn't even look at Coventry. who we played for or anything. Well, I can. I can like everything. Coventry City is 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 the one. A team which oh. has literally gone off my radar completely. Coventry, but um, right. yeah, yeah. So that there it was. Nice controlled start um, for uh, Man City. And uh, as Bernard pointed out, um, Foden 
uh, kind of running the show up there, getting getting into it very, very quickly. Some ragged defending. Uh, I didn't really think that much of Bruges. Um, I'm not even sure if you should pronounce that Bruges or Bruges. Um, Bruges, I think. Bruges, I think, yes. Bruges in the local dialect, yes. isn't it? Sorry, what's that, what's that mic? I mean, I didn't quite catch what you said. Bruges. <laughs> Bruges. All right. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> <A> little Brugger. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's got some real comedians. Well, we had a couple of Bruggers, didn't they? Kicking our little, our, our Phil Forden about. A couple yeah. of bit nasty, bit nasty at times. Yeah. A couple of elbows yeah. flying around as well. I think. I think the, you know, mm. they were lucky to finish it for the, the game with um, uh, eleven players. Yep. Um, first goal on the half hour mark. Uh, Jao Cancelo. He's been getting a lot of praise on social media. Um, some interesting talk about him being the best uh, fullback in the world, either at left back or right back. Uh, tell us about this particular goal, Colin Savage. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, it was a while coming, wasn't it? But um, we looked as though it was going to be one of those games where, we, you know, we weren't going to score. But um, this kind of came out of the blue. I mean, um, beautiful, beautiful uh, chip, pass, whatever you want to call it, from Phil Foden. Uh, Cancelo was racing into the into the area, and he took the ball down on his chest. I mean, it was um, uh, you know a, an absolute. Um, it's a sort of goal, you, sort of thing you see Aguero do, isn't it? It's brilliant control. He took controlled the ball on his chest and slotted it between um, Simon Mignolet's legs or under his body, one of the two. But um, yeah, so a, a most unlikely source for a goal, really. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ray? Oh, it's, it was a cracking, um, yeah, as Colin said, it's cracking pass from Foden. Vision, uh, brilliant. And I love, and we might, we'll definitely talk about it in the second half as well, uh, a goal from another unusual source. I love these runs from players that end up, uh, like, as, as you centre forward, in, a, in effect, just spring through the um, other team's midfield and defence and just turn up there. And Cancelo did that. Great take. I think it was a, a, on his chest, a touch, and then he just nicked it through the, the keeper's uh, legs. It was it was sublime. It was a really delicious goal. He even he even uh, shrugged off a little nudge, didn't he, from the defender as well, if you know. So he got a little nudge and he didn't even bother him. He just still still put his toe out and put it through the legs. It was He just did everything as a striker would, to be honest with you, which was uh, pretty perfect. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the signs were uh, looking good, uh, Bernard, because about five minutes later, there was this an, another great uh, move, um, which had uh, Kyle Walker uh, teeing up Foden, and uh, he was on for a tap-in, but I think a, a just a, a intervention from a de- defender at the last minute. But when, um, when Walker looks like that and looks to get forward like that, um, and he's doing it well... The signs are well, the signs were good, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, if, if Walker's getting up there, obviously we'll talk about the second half. But if Walker's getting up there, everything's going right, isn't it? I mean, one of my bugbears in the past with these attacking fullbacks is the amount of times we get up there and do nothing with it. Walker, Walker's crosses are rubbish, or or it just doesn't go anywhere. And that's always been my bugbear. But obviously with uh, Cancelo, with that one. And Walker, you could see being more central, they were actually more effective than just being out on the wing trying to get the ball in. And I, I think that worked in that way, you know, as rather as inside forwards rather than rather than wingers. I think that worked tremendously yesterday and last night. Yeah, Colin, say something about Club Brugge. What did you think of them and what kind of opposition did they provide? I, I thought they'd be a lot tougher than they actually were on the night because obviously they, they got... Um, uh, well, they got four points, hadn't they? And I think they were top of the group uh, going into the game. So, so obviously, I mean, you know, we, we expect them to be the whipping boys of the group, but they'd shown themselves to be um, anything but. Obviously, a draw against PSG, uh, a win against Leipzig. Um, but, I mean, we made, we, we made them look amateurs, didn't we? Uh, um, that, you know, it was that uh, the level of performance was so great. I mean, t- uh, like, the, like the performance against Chelsea, uh, we were so dominant. We were pressing them from from the first whistle to the to the you know the ninetieth minute. Um, they never well, they had a couple of chances, but we we um, we, we just steamrolled them, didn't we? And, and in fact, you know, we could have gone in 
at half time five nil up. So I, I, you know, they're obviously not a bad team, but but whether we just had a everything came together, you know, all the stars aligned for us, or whether something went wrong for them. But but we were just too good, far 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 <laughs> good for them. Yeah, we could have gone in um, about, about five nil up. We actually went in. 2-0 up because, Ray, we got a penalty and it was dispatched by your best friend, Riyad Mahrez. <laughs> yeah, um, nice little uh, two or three touches out on the edge of the box. Ball played in. Uh, I don't know the, the guy who fouled Mahrez, but it was pretty pretty lousy challenge, to be honest. He was never going to get anywhere near the ball. He just um, clobbered Mahrez and Mahrez, a bit theatrical, but he went down, you know, I, um, I think some, it's, we know that sometimes players will go down a bit theatrically just to make sure they get it. But I don't think there was any way that that could not have been given. It was a, a blatant foul. And Mares sent the goalkeeper the wrong way, tucked it into the corner, got his goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, problems with uh, penalty taking over then, uh, Bernard? Or do you think just on temporary suspension? Oh, I thought it was a great, it was a great penalty, wasn't it? I mean, let's be honest about it. He uh, put it, you know, into that Mignolet. He didn't have a clue, did he? Basically, he went, went totally committed himself to the other side, and he had to wait a long time, Mahrez, as well. So there's a lot of pressure, pressure on him built up in that, that space of time. So I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping this is uh, this is our new main guy now. But obviously, whether he'll be playing every game is another matter. But uh, we'll still have the same problems when he's not playing, of course. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I was quite impressed. But what what so we've not talked about KDB this half, have we? What what impressed me about that penalty was the fact that KDB uh, for the second time, I think, in the first half, sort of uh, got his feet mixed up and fell over it to allow Mares to take the ball on and get the penalty. I don't. So all credit to KDB, even even when he he's not on form, he still he still supplies a sort of an assist, if you like. So uh, that was an outstanding play by KDB, I thought, on the night. And actually, he he fired a rasping uh, shot just uh, over the bar, didn't he? Uh, on the on the stroke half time, and City were looking hungry. Uh, they had to. Mares brought out another save from Minule too, so it was quite good that they, you know, they weren't resting on their on their two nil um, uh, lead. They were they were they were gunning for more. And I thought I thought you know, uh, <clears throat> Brugge were lucky to get to half time. Uh, as it was, but that's the way that it uh, stopped um, uh, to half time two 0 and City City cruising Ray, weren't they cruising? Absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bruges Bruges uh, Bruges were doing their best, but City were just awesome. Uh, and when City are like this, you just think there's nobody on the planet that can touch them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe we need one of these performances uh, at the at the end of the season when it really matters in one of the big games. This can, yeah, something like that. It would be nice because no one can, honestly, no one can get close to us. Like Colin said, that Chelsea game, this one as well. You know, two teams that were expected to give us a tough time, and Liverpool as well. You know, um, we, we're doing all right. You know, um, we, we're getting it together. When we get our best team out, we're awesome. That's right. And uh, eight minutes, Colin Savage. Eight minutes into the second half. Uh, people were probably uh, blinking and rubbing their eyes when they saw if they were watch if they were following it on Twitter when it came up. Goal, Man City, Walker, fifty-three. Well, yeah, I wonder how many games there have been where both fullbacks have been on the score sheet. Uh, right. well, again, a lovely, another lovely goal, and it was KDB who hadn't had the best first half. To be honest, he's he. Uh, someone said his um, passing accuracy is de- under fifty percent this season so far, about forty-three percent. Um, Maybe it's because he tries too hard, but this was a nice little interchange on the edge of the area. And it was absolutely, it was a lovely ball. Cowell kept running and KDB, the weight of the pass, you know, we talk about the weight of the pass, how you know, how hard did he hit it? But it was absolutely weighted perfectly, you know, perfectly into, into Walker's path at the right speed. So Walker could just take it. And again, you know, Walker um, put the shot across Mignolet, again, went... Uh, Went past him and onto uh, inside the far post. So uh, another kind of striker's goal from a fullback. Mm-hmm. What about these substitutions? Uh, what did you think, Bernard? Uh, Fifty-seven minute. We had a double uh, substitution: Gundogan for for Silva, and um, Nathan Ake on for Laporte. 
Yeah, let's face it, if Pep's making substitutions before the 60th minute, obviously things are going very well. Because let's face it, he's not going to make any substitute. If, we, if we'd have been drawing that or losing it, no one would have been substituted. He would have carried on regardless. Let's be honest about it, unless someone's leg was falling off or something like that. So obviously it's got to be going well for Pep to do that. Uh, I actually wrote a little, because when I'm not at the games, I just write little notes. And that, that start, that second half, I actually put... Most of the players, literally all the players, Zon was showboating at, at times early in that second half. They were all doing little tricks and little little glances and stuff like that. It was quite amazing. And obviously, with Pep for I mean, why not? Why not put the guy? You're 3 0 up. Let's face it, they're the, the dead and buried. They're dead and buried this team. And for once, obviously, we've got a big game coming up this week. So Pep did it correctly. Uh, Obviously, Ake for Porti, Gundo for Bernardo. Give Bernardo a rest. I mean, the poor little bugger, his, his batteries are running flat now, aren't they? Let's be honest. The poor little brugger. The poor little yeah. brugger. Poor little brugger. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was the first two subs. Certainly nothing wrong with that. And it wasn't wasn't long before he made some more, was it, really? That's right. So, um, I think, uh, what was it, about eight minutes or so later, then on comes uh, Raheem Sterling and uh, Cole Palmer. You know, um, thing about, you know, thing about Cole Palmer when he came on, I thought for for KDB, I thought, oh, that's fine, and that just shows how much esteem either KDB's not quite at it, or how much esteem we uh, sort of hold Cole Palmer in. But I'm not quite sure which is which at the moment. But uh, yeah, I didn't. It didn't worry me one iota with Cole Palmer coming on for KDB. I thought that was a just the same for same. You know, I just thought it was. <laughs> which I don't think you could say anything much higher, could you, about a player? coming on for KDB and you, you're not losing any of the, of the quality on the pitch at the moment. Yeah, Colin, and we've got to start taking notice a bit of Cole Palmer because um, what people might not uh, realise or, or maybe they do, after being coming on, we talked about him coming on as a, a 90 plus one minute sub just to stretch the, uh, the legs in the last game. He actually went on to score a hat-trick for the under-23s just some hours after that uh, that that game, so I mean, he's he's um, you know someone who's really catching the eye, isn't he, Colin? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Pep does it again, doesn't he? You know, he was very careful not to rush Foden into first team action, and and, and that's paid dividends. Um, and uh, again, Cole Palmer again being careful and uh, managing the situation well. Uh, and and Palmer, I mean, it was basically it was his first two touches, wasn't it? But Sterling set him up. Um, he took one touch to steady himself, and the second touch curled one from just outside the area into the net. So, absolutely, you know, assured performance there. What do you, what do you make of this uh, this youngster, Ray? He's a blooming brilliant. Um, I saw a bit of him last season for the uh, for the academy. Um, he was great then. Obviously, Liam Delap kind of stood out from the number of goals he scored, but I think Cole Palmer was second in the list. Uh, for the number of goals, you've got a decent number of uh, goals, and there's one we see quite regularly um, a nonchalant chip, from, I think, from outside the box into the corner of a, go- um, a game last season. It's it, it just, it looks fantastic. And he's, you know, like um, as has already been said, Pepper's been really good with the way he's bringing him in. And, and in his post match interview, um, he said, Look, it's taken basically Phil Ford and two or three years to come through and we see how good he is. And I and I think Palmer will Pep says he trains with us, but he plays for the Academy. Um and he's a future of the club. He's another one that's a future of the club. And then Pep rattled off about half a dozen names. Uh, I can't remember the the, the players he's, he mentioned he mentioned Jalap. Um so unfortunately Jalap started the season injured otherwise I think he'd have got a look in by now. Um and then a few other players and said, you know, that it just gives you an idea of how many good players are coming through. And, you know, when we um, built the academy all those years ago, uh, and and the idea was to have every season one or two homegrown young players coming through, local lads coming through the academy and making it into the first team uh, training, first team squad. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody would be surprised if in three years' time, Phil Forden and uh, Cole Palmer were regulars in that midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely cracking goal for you for your first uh, uh, goal in the Champions League. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, as we suggested earlier on, um, Pep started to replace the pretty much the whole team because we had <laughs> Fernandinho came on uh, for Rodri 
And uh, it was it was only really a question of uh, where the fifth goal uh, would come from because um, Palmer uh, set up Walker, who fluffed one, and then uh, Sterling had a few uh, chances as well. Um, they did score I, a goal, didn't they? He, he did. Um, great save from from Ederson on the 80th minute when um, when uh, Brugge got through. Someone called De Kettlere. Um but. Um, where did the fist come from, Ray? It's, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> well, after after Brugge scored, um, yeah. So that we should mention that uh, Brugge did get a goal uh, on the eighty-first minute from uh, Vanakin. Um, is it their, their captain? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then we got a, a goal from Fernandinho chip. He, he put the ball through to Riyad Mahrez running um, through. Uh, took his time, uh, wait, waited for Minnelli to make his move, and then just knocked it past him. Uh, you know, comfortable goal, well taken. Give him credit, well taken. Did, did, did anyone actually think he was on side? I thought he was a mile offside. Yeah, I, mile off side. I, I couldn't believe it. To be given, but of course he was, wasn't he? Just brilliant. Yeah, just unbelievable. I just thought there's no way he was on. He was on side. I, I literally wrote my thing five one, and then I scrubbed it out, and then I had to write it back in again because it was a got. I thought you know, I just I just couldn't believe that he wasn't offside. It was unbelievable. Fred Bernard, he was clearly on side. <laughs> Miles outside. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Even though the 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 Guardian claimed that he was um, he was onside, and uh, they obviously weren't looking at it that careful, and probably didn't care because I mean we were home and hose, done and dusted. It was five uh, one. Just going to go back just a little bit to that uh, that Brugge goal. Um, what happened there, um, Colin? Well, I, I, I'm not quite sure because. Um... They, they were building up on the edge of the box and um, Cancelo seemed to, I, I'm not sure what Cancelo was doing, he seemed to run past his man uh, and that opened up a space for them to play the ball kind of down towards the byline and cross and um, it was a fairly simple tap-in for the uh, uh, Brugge player. Actually, one of the guys got a little toe to it, didn't he? He was actually going to go to a City player, but one of the other fours got a little toe yeah. to it. Yes. He helped it on to the other guy to score. And uh, I thought it was coming, actually. I just I wrote on my little thing, there's a goal coming here for them. Because it, we'd gone end-to-end then, hadn't we? With, sort of, uh, with all the changes, it suddenly got a bit scrappy and they, they were attacking and we were attacking. And I think we could see it coming, but we knew we, knew we, had, we were capable of getting another one as well. So it, it was no big deal, but... Uh, yeah, there's a bit, a bit of fortune about it, a bit of bad luck and a, a bit of bad defending, a bit of everything, really. Yeah, presser new, using nice adjectives to describe us, imperious, ominous. Um, but again, obviously, you have to take the opposition into consideration. So, uh, Ray, where does this leave us now in the group? Um, What's the situation? Well, um, PSG uh, used a bit of individual brilliance and... Um, and Bappy to to get out of jail. Um, they were losing at home, and they got out of jail and beat Leipzig. Um, so they topped the group. Uh, I think with seven points. We're one point behind on six. Bruges, uh, Brugge, still not out of it on four points. Probably are out of it, but they still they still got plenty to play for because you know they if they can get a result against uh, PSG, you never know if we can beat PSG and Bruges beat PSG. PSG could be out. So. You know, it's still not over for us because we, you'd expect us to beat Bruges at home, and you'd expect us to, to have a chance against Leipzig. I think if we win those two games, it doesn't matter what happens with PSG. But you know, it's it's a really tough-looking game, um, negotiated, and we move on. Yep. Anything else we want to say about this particular game before we uh, move on? Anything else that um, that we haven't mentioned or stood out in any way? No, we could talk yeah. about Sterling, couldn't we, a little bit? Yeah, that's, what I was gonna, that's exactly who I was going to mention. OK. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, it was like it's painful to watch. Uh, certainly for me, it's painful to watch. I, I just don't know what's going on. I mean, there's, he, he had the assist, but I, I, I'm still debating whether he meant to pass it to uh, to Someone Mara, else asked uh, that. Uh, Someone else asked that today. Yeah. 
I mean, to me, it looks as though he played it for Mares behind him. Unfortunately, it fell to Cole Palmer. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was one very late on where the ball came across and all he had to do was put his toe on it and dink it over Mignolet. And he got his toe on it, but it just bobbled away to the right. And it just there's just no sort of... Well, there's just a lack of anything in, in what he does. He gets in all the right positions. It's like that... And that Morecambe and Wise sketch, isn't it? He, he pays all the right notes, not particularly in the right right order. And, and Sterling's the same. He gets all in all the right places, but he, he doesn't do the right things with it. it it's, it is very painful to watch. And it, it's like, you know, you, you, it's like a, a fighter incident get, keeps getting knocked down. You think you've got, you've got to do something with him because it, it's, it's just literally painful for me to, to watch this go on and on. I, I mm. thought he looked... Uh, a lot sharper last night, but of course he looked great. But there's Of course, he got an assist, but uh, it's the old problem in front of goal, where we, you know, we we've not seen anything from him for ages. So, yeah, but I, I thought maybe I'm reading too much into it. I thought it was an improved performance, but you know what we, what we remember him by is. Failings in front of goal. But by, by the time he came on, we were winning. Was it three 0 already? Bruges were done and dusted. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd expect him to to have space and time. Um, and the thing was, uh, he had he had chances. He could have had a trick. Um, there was one time we we got got the ball. We had four or five on one. Sterling had the ball. He could have passed passed it to three or four players for a tap in, and he t- decided to take the shot on himself. And I, and I just said at the time. No, if you I've always said this. If you're greedy and you and it uh, and you score the goal or whatever, great. You 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 deserve everything. But if you're greedy and you cock it up, you deserve all the brickbats and he deserves them because you know he sh- he should have passed it. He's he, he's doing a bit like what Mares does. Is he's trying to show why he should be in the team, and by doing so, he's been a bit greedy and showing why he shouldn't be in the team. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was. In a Italian restaurant eating a pizza last night, you know, <laughs> I, um, I, I, that that's the only reason that I can forgive um, Raheem Sterling's. I, I'll, I'll say atrocious um, decision making where it mattered. Well, um, you mentioned uh, Mares there. He was one of the candidates for uh, Man of the Match up there with Phil Foden. Who would you give that accolade to, Colin? Yeah, uh, Man of the Match, Phil Foden. I don't think there's much doubt. Absolutely, about I mean, most of the players. Uh, you know, KDB was a bit off form, Sterling. I, I thought Laporte had made a few mistakes, particularly bringing the ball out of play. Uh, There's a few times where he, he was careless, he gave it away. But a, apart from that, you know, everyone had a really good game, um, uh, particularly the front guys. You know, Bernardo was 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 his usual uh, busy self, making things happen. Foden was good, Grealish was good. You know, Mares was involved and. Yeah, it was a, just a good, uh, good performance. Uh, Rodri was was pretty good, you know. So, so that front six really, uh, and of course the two fullbacks, um, you know, apart from Kevin De Bruyne not coming up to his high standards, and seeing that a little while, um, everyone was, you know, everyone was good. But but Foden was outstanding. Yeah, you'd agree with that. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I, I had Folder as my man of the match. I think UEFA gave it Cancelo, didn't he, the, on the on the night? But what amazed me as well was. was uh, I saw, uh, I always look at uh, the, the MEN uh, player ratings, it's uh, Bukowski this time, and I think he gave Edison a six, and I thought he made three or four really good blocks, Edison, he made one great save to his left from a header, and considering he wasn't in the game, hardly, I thought he had a crack, he didn't have any chance with the goal, not, not a cat in hell's chance yet, to get a six out of ten, but I mean, it, I think Bukowski does this, he marks them down pretty poorly sometimes, but uh, I thought that was ridiculous. I've even seen criticism of Edison on on Twitter this morning. It's just, you know, bit, all right, he wasn't the best on the pitch, but hey, he, at crucial time, well, not crucial time, but at two and three nil, he kept he kept uh, he kept him at bay, and that was important. And uh, people seem to have forgot, forgotten those saves he made. So, but uh, yeah, fold fold and definitely for me. Yeah, sorry, Ray, I think we cut you off there. Were you about to oh, jump okay. in? Yeah, I, I, I'll agree. Foden gets man of the match, and I've got to say something about Maris. Look, he scored two goals. Uh, I've given him credit, but I, I've said it for for a while now, and not just about Maris, but other players as well. They are they look really good if they're surrounded by the best team we've got, and that's why 
where I, one of the reasons I think people say, oh, yeah, was, he, he did all right last night. That was because he was surrounded by the best we've got. He's got Grealish, he's got Foden, he's got Bernardo, he's got KDB, all right, slightly off KDB, but still, you know, providing assists and stuff. Um, he's got the best players around him. That's why he can perform. You throw um, what I call the second stringers in there, yeah? You put Sterling there, you put maybe maybe Gabriel Jesus and... Um, you know, you, you you put some, yeah, I call them second stringers in there. Mares wouldn't have looked so good, and I think that's that's the thing. You know, we can get away with two or three players. Um, I think Jesus sometimes has has been the one as as well in the previous seasons where, if they're surrounded by the best team, they look good, and if they're surrounded by the second stringers, they don't. Um, and so, you know, not, he scored two goals. Mares did, and you know, well done for that, but. You know, uh, for me, the jury's still well out. Well, guys, um, <clears throat> that's uh, that's how that finished. Five one to City, and as Ray mentioned, uh, second place in the uh, table now, just a point behind PSG. But it's um, it's it's close between those uh, top three. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Leipzig look to be pretty much out of it. But uh, looking around at some of the uh, other uh, uh, results uh, in Europe so far uh, this week. Um, anything interesting? Anything take your fancy, Colin? Um, just checking. Um, obviously, um, PSG came back against Leipzig, as we said. Liverpool got a, a win at, at, um, in Madrid, which was good, although I, I've not seen it. Apparently, there was a disputed penalty. Oh, yeah, it was a, I think um, there was a little push, and the guy went down easy. But if you touch the guy, give a penalty. And I'm really surprised they, they overturned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the biggest surprise was probably Real Madrid winning. That's right. Yeah, uh, Man United, as we speak, uh, guys. We don't know how this will finish. They've draw. They've pulled it back to two-two against Atalanta. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, uh, absolutely uh, free and clear, four-nil up at Malmo. Um, but yeah, it's. it's I, I was interested in that uh, Liverpool Atletico game. For some reason, Klopp seems to be like have a real, you know, a bug in his ear about them just because. Obviously, he remembers that uh, he he lost uh, two uh, two games against uh, Atletico Madrid. Was it last um, last time out or the time before? And um, he's really got this thing about they don't play the right way. I mean, well, <laughs> you know, obviously, um, uh, but he's uh, he's he can't quite seem to get over that. Actually, it. Um, <clears throat> Other things uh, happened. Another interesting game actually was in the uh, Europa League. So um, Leicester beat Spartak Moscow 4-3. And uh, we had a, a guy, uh, Patson Daka, who I, I think um, Ray wanted us to sign um, at one point, scoring four goals from what I can see in that one. Yep. So, they were 2-0 uh, down, come back to win 4-3, four uh-huh. goals. I mean, one disappointing result for me. Is that RB Salzburg have beaten Wolfsburg 3 1. And as I said on previous pod, I'm in Wolfsburg uh, working in a uh, science centre theatre here. And um, the lighting and sound technician, he's a big Wolfsburg fan. So we're, we're really worried now for tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> what his mood's going to be like and uh, how he's going to perform. <laughs> he's going to skip some, some tracks or, or something. So uh, he's, I think he's going to be in a lousy mood tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 3-2 uh, for United, by the way. Oh, have yeah. they gone for the start? Yeah, um, Mr. Ronaldo. And as as BBC say, cometh the hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, apparently that, that it was a really dreadful first half, but somehow they'll somehow they'll conjure up glory out of this if they... If, if well, they um, it's, it's, it's good and bad. It's good and bad because it, it means... I, I, I think, you know, if, if, if they'd lost at home to Atlanta, got a drubbing against Liverpool... The knives would, and some knives are already out for Oli, uh, going to show Sharp. I think if they'd lost these two games, there'd have really been, um, you know, a lot of uh, problems at Man United with the fans uh, and, and calling for the, uh, Oli's head. So, you know, now they've come back and look like they're going to win against Atlanta. Maybe it's, it's you know, it stays his execution for a, a month or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, <clears throat> we also uh, saw the inevitable happen. Um, Steve Bruce losing his job. Um, any any guesses on who will who will be uh, his replacement, Bernard? 
think the thing is, I mean, they're just going to get someone to take them to another level. They're just going to get someone to keep them up, first of all. Let's be honest about it. We've got, you've got to find a manager, manager capable now of coming in and doing a job with what he's got plus what he can get in January and, and convince, be able to convince players to join Newcastle in January, which will be no easy task at the best of times anyway, even, even despite all the money, apart from uh, asking, you know, paying the wages and stuff like that. But uh, I think they need a sort of just a guy to make sure they're safe and he's not going to be the guy to lead them to glory in years years to come, of course. But uh, I'm not sure what names are being knocked around at the moment. I mean, you were talking about people like Conte and stuff like that. But uh, I think they need a middleman at the moment. We need to sort this season out, get this season out of the way. I mean, obviously with City, we, we had plans, didn't we? We had t- five, ten-year plans all the time of where we were going. And I'm sure I'm sure these guys who took Newcastle have their own little plans, but it's a totally different kettle of fish, isn't it, I think, than Newcastle at the moment. So it'll be very interesting. But I think they just need a guy to, to uh, get them up mid-table or something like that, first of all, and, and actually buy a couple of good signings in, in January and go from there. But uh, who it may be, uh, I say certainly not Sam Allardyce again, is it? But uh, there you go. We'll, we'll see. We'll see who they get in. i got a question. Do you think if Newcastle offer £40 million for Divock Origi, that clock will turn it down? <laughs> I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. Uh I personally, I don't think he's worth four million. Never mind forty million. Yeah, but uh, I'm just saying they come out and talk about these clubs and and talk about the owners and and the investment and the money and blah blah blah. But a pound to a penny, if Newcastle offered forty million for Divock Origi, Klopp would snap their hands, he'd bite their hands off, and he wouldn't say boo to a goose uh, mm-hmm. about the owners. Then he'd be he'd keep quiet about that. So he's just a disingenuous. Tore rag is our uh, Jurgen Klopp. And he had a he had a pop at a journalist after after the game yesterday. You know the, the clip I saw. It was a perfectly innocent question, um, and 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 Klopp lost it. I mean, you know, what was his problem? Mm. One thing I should mention, guys, here is um, uh, something I had a story I hadn't really been following, but a 63 year old Man City fan fighting for his life in a coma after being left for dead in an attack by Club Brugge fans at a service station in Belgium. Um, I, 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 I didn't know anything really about that. Uh, any of you guys uh, catch that? Apparently he was well, targeted wearing a Man, a Man City scarf. He's a, Bel- he's a Belgian City fan, isn't he? I think there was about 250, 260 Belgian City fans there in, in the crowd last night. So... He's obviously based in Belgium, I assume, a Belgium City fan. So, yeah, um, doesn't make any difference who, where he comes from, does it? Let's be honest about it. But uh, we know this is there, don't we? We know, we know, we know about this nastiness and stuff like this. And you know, we get a lot of stick in England for it, but it's still there in a lot of these other countries. We, we get unfair stick for it, and uh, we know damn well how bad it can be in these other countries when when we've been over ourselves and stuff like that. But. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I've not heard. Well, uh, as far as I know, he's still sort of okay, but sort of fighting for his life. If you can call that okay, but uh, 63. I mean, a year older than me. I mean, I, you know, I I don't want to go to a football match and have something like that happen to me. You know, I, I had all that as a teenager, risking you know, thinking I might not get out alive out of grounds and having knives bust uh, at me and stuff like this. I, I'd hate to think of that at my age now. It's, it's shocking, really. It's re- very, very shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, I hope he ma- makes a, a recovery, guys. Um, that was the last thing that I had on, on my little list. Um, anything else uh, that you want to mention or talk about before uh, we finish off? Uh, sponsorship and now City you back Newcastle. Or is, that, is that a good thing, uh, Colin? Because what they, um, just for the benefit of those who have not heard the news, if you haven't, um, if you've been, perhaps been in a cave, but... Um, <laughs> the Premier League have voted, or 18 of the 20 Premier League clubs have voted for a temporary period, I'm not sure if it's three or four weeks, to ban um, related parties carrying out, uh, putting in place sponsorship deals with the clubs they're related to. What <coughs> aimed at Newcastle? Newcastle voted against, we apparently abstained on the grounds that we, we, we take legal advice and this was an illegal felt was this wouldn't help hold up legally um now, now of course <laughs> what what makes you laugh is that um w- when you look around these moral 
paragons. And, and it's, <laughs> the FA, it's in the Premier League rules. It's in UEFA FFP rules. The owners or related parties can sponsor clubs they're related to, but the, the, the sponsorship has to be for fair market value. So Etihad, for example, uh, Etihad are not a related party to, Man- to Sheikh Mansour, to Abu Dhabi United Group or Manchester City. So, so let's get that off, you know, out the way. Etihad is not a related party because um, when you publish your accounts, you have to detail any transactions with related parties. And that might be as simple as uh, John Wardle uh, buying a box an executive box that has to be detailed and you have to show it's been done at commercial rates um so uh, basically what they're saying is any, anyone connected to perhaps saudi or the airline or or, or someone connected to the uh, public investment fund won't at least for the next four weeks be able to put in place a sponsorship deal with newcastle united now of course newcastle united's previous sponsor was a company called sports direct uh, although it's a slightly different one that because Actually, Mike actually was doing it for virtually nothing. So um, that, that was kind of one of the rules, one of the situations that the related party rules were put in place to, 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 to look at. So to highlight the fact that Sports Direct were getting, you know, maybe £25 million worth of advertising for, for two or three million. Uh, basically, makes rates. Now, um, you know, you, the club that stands out is Leicester. Who are owned and sponsored by King Power? Now, now, now their owner and King Power are clearly related parties, as as uh, <coughs> Leicester. So, so Leicester have actually voted for this, and they have a related party sponsorship deal in place. And and you look at um, all the other moral paragons in in the Premier League, and and you know, let's go from the top. We've got Liverpool, and where do you start with Liverpool? Standard Chartered find what over a billion dollars for money laundering on their shirts. They did have Western Union on their sleeves, but they pulled out of that one. Uh, owners who've been done for cheating in baseball, as we said, and uh, the, the same club who uh, paid us a settlement of a million pounds for, for illegally going into one of our databases. So, so you know, it's, it's good to see that, you know, the, the, the thoroughly moral, moral and ethical Liverpool football club are, are leading this. And of course, Manchester United, we know about. Uh, a major strategic partnership with um, Saudi Telecom. I wonder where they come from. Um, so I think that, that strategic partnership might not be quite so strategic after this week's events. You've got um, Arsenal. Uh, they have Emirates, of course, sister airline to Etihad that we got the compl- get the complaints about. You know, sports washing, anyone? Visit Rwanda on the sleeve. Yeah, Rwanda have a bit of a, uh, well, be charitable a mixed human rights record uh their president paul kagame is known for pursuing his political opponents um and and i think killing them uh even if they're out the country so you know that's another one our our usual three you know the the three suspects the three stooges uh and they've suddenly taken the moral high ground Uh, there is you know as long as the sponsorship is not ridiculous uh, as long as it's in line with what a third party would pay Newcastle uh, and you've got to remember when you look at us and New- us and Etihad and um, Newcastle a potential sponsor um, Kaz uh, Cook for arbitration and sport were quite clear that Etihad wasn't a related party uh, which is what we've always maintained there was no the, just because Etihad is at the Abu Dhabi national airline and Sheikh Mahmoud, a member of the relatively lowly member of the Arab, uh, Abu Dhabi government or member of the world family doesn't make Etihad a related party but we are top four club we've won three out of the last four titles you know we've been to the Champions League final for 10 consecutive seasons we can obviously command a much bigger um, fee a uh, much bigger shirt sponsorship than say Newcastle can but you're probably looking at maybe 20 20 25 maybe you know so, somewhere around that figure for for a shirt sponsorship which is probably considered to be fair market value maybe get away with a bit more i don't know but you know the whole point of you know how are newcastle going to increase their revenue it's the only way they can do it because they're not as we said before that their main priority this season is survival let let alone getting to the top six or or europe so you know they'll be doing well to finish mid-table and um as, as we know that the 
we we did have a big influx of cash in the early years, but we've now become self-sustaining because you know we're at the top of the Premier League. You know we're regularly getting to the latter stages of the Champions League. We can command big commercial deals, sponsorship deals, and it's not just with Abu Dhabi companies. I mean, Etihad is probably about ten percent of our total income. But if Etihad suddenly said we're not going to sponsor you anymore, we would find a comparable sponsor. There's no doubt about it. So. It's a very strange one. It's a four-week ban, and they're going to have a look at it again. I suspect in in the meantime, the Premier League will take legal advice and find it's um, completely untenable. Uh, and certainly um, the new owners of Newcastle will be keeping a very close eye, and they will be talking to their lawyers. Um, and uh, I'm sure they'll be keeping a close eye on the situation as well. But I, I can't see it being tenable because um, you know it, it's just a, an accepted part of... Mm. Of the world, it's a, it's a part of normal accounting that related parties, nothing to stop related parties carrying out transactions with the parties they're related to as long as these are reported. Mm-hmm. Very strange one. Penny, for your thoughts, Ray? Um, well, yeah, the, the Newcastle need the money to come in because they, they've just paid the manager eight million quid to leave. He, Steve's got his <laughs> Brucey bonus, eight million quid. So, you know. I bet you that, you know, if, if they can't get the extra money coming in, that could take them over the edge. Um, so they've got to get it sorted. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's simply um, jealousy. That's it. So many other clubs, you know, uh, yes, I understand they'd want to protect themselves, but, you know, um, they're doing it the wrong way. But be better on the pitch. Focus on that. And instead of doing stuff that's off the pitch and, and going after Newcastle, just let them get on with it. Let them do their own thing, um, and look at, and, and make sure you're clean first. You know, uh, as I was saying, law come to come to the table with clean hands. Mm-hmm. But all the clubs who Everton had sports person. Now, I think it was Everton. Yeah, <coughs> excuse me. No one's ever heard of them. They've got betting companies that no one's heard of. Well, we can have an issue with the betting company as well. They're a household and name, Hassa, I'm sure, but whatever. <laughs> but sports better. They, they made, a, um, if I remember correctly, they made a lot of money in Kenya. They made tens of millions of, and I think it was sports better who were doing that. Um, and, but they, they're making money in, in developing countries because people can easily get a, um, a smartphone, and they, they're cleaning them out. You know, in countries that haven't got. I mean, I don't think it matters. Even in in, in the UK with the gambling laws and. And safeguards and stuff like that, and in, in some other parts of the world, they're creaming money and then they're spending it on uh, sponsorship in the in, in England in the Premier League because it's the highest profile one, and obviously it's watched all around the world, so people can see it and see their um, their name. But it's it's disgusting the way they do it. So you know you got as, as Colin said, money launderers, cheats, betting companies, all sorts of you know issues, and, and, and they don't look at themselves. They never criticize. Criticise yourself first before you have a pop at somebody else. You've got Burnley, whose owners allegedly took money out of Burnley to buy them, not yeah. just done a loaded debt on them, but took Burnley's own cash to buy them, voting against an owner, putting money in. I mean, how hypocritical. I say all, all, all the best to Newcastle. I hope, you know, um, I hope they... Um, uh, I hope they do well in the next few years and, and just sneak into that top four and, you know, United can um, stay in sixth. Um, I've been chuffed. Uh, yeah, well, just uh, finish off uh, that, that game has, now, has uh, finished Yeah, now. we don't need to talk about them, Mike. Let's move on. Let's yeah. Not- yeah, yeah, no, I, it, was, it was just a, I wondered if you thought Oliver Holt would be back onto his... Um, you know, do, you know, that switcheroo he does. Uh, you mentioned last time about Oliver Holt and yeah. why he had picked them up and then he had shot them down. I wonder what he picked them up again. Look, we, we, we've been over this uh, so many times. Most of these journalists, I, I, can't put it poli- I can't put it politely, so, but most of them, they are hypo- hypocrites. They take the money from, you know, go, they'll go out to watch a box. Uh, like for, for instance, anybody went to see um, Joshua fight in Saudi Arabia. Anybody went out to see that fight or even covered it, and then want to, and then they want to complain about what Newcastle are doing and their owners. I'll get out of here. It's ridiculous. Indeed, indeed. Well, guys, I think I think that's pretty much everything um, that we uh, 
planned uh, to cover unless anyone wants to uh, chip in with anything else before we finish no i'm hearing the i'm hearing the crickets okay well thank you very much guys it's been an interesting one uh, anyway the main point of it is a great uh, performance for man city a very encouraging one a great goal for cole palmer lots of uh, things to be excited about uh, moving forward uh, it's it's been a good week and uh, let's hope it continues but i think we'll stop here for now and uh, just thank our contributors for uh, chipping in on this pod so thank you mr colin savage it's been a, it's been great to hear from you again it's a pleasure always a pleasure to to be in your company and with our two uh, fellow podcasters of course okay we and one of those was uh, bernard denine bernard um thank you for 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 being on and uh, uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you um, in the next one. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been an education as usual and good fun as well. Thank you. <laughs> and we've got Ray from City Fan TV. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Mike. All right. Well, we'll wrap up there, guys. Finish off in the normal way. Have one on us. And until next time, up the blues. Up the blues, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>